This Sunday, our Gospel passage from the ninth chapter of Luke, assigned by the lectionary, has two different points of focus. The first one, found in verses 51 through 56, is about how the people in in the Samaritan village received Jesus, or more accurately, how they did not receive Jesus, and the responses of the disciples. The second focus is found in verses 57 through 62. That focus turns our attention to what in our own lives we must be willing to give up in order to follow Jesus. That small section closes with the words, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. I want to explain that short statement and then quickly return to the first half of our lectionary gospel reading. As our society and culture has grown further and further away from its agricultural roots, the remark, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God, does not automatically make sense to most people. What Jesus is referring to is the fact that once you have your hands on the handles of the plow, when you look over your shoulder, your hands will follow, meaning they turn the plow. And when they turn the plow, the rows you are plowing will not be straight. The same idea is part of driving a car. If you try to look over your shoulder while driving forward, you will end up causing the car to swerve. That's why you look at what is behind you and to the sides by using your mirrors. In Jesus' comment, because the person with his or her hands to the plow who looks over his or her shoulder in order to look back, creates crooked rows, Jesus is saying by looking back at your past, you mess up your future. You need to give up some things, not allow the past to dictate your future in order to follow Jesus. Now I want to turn to the portion of our gospel text that speaks of the Samaritan village. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem and is going to pass through a Samaritan village. The Samaritans were outsiders. They were similar to the Jews in what they believed, but not quite the same. They were from the northern part of what we know as Israel, and there were still some divisions and tensions caused by what is known as the divided kingdom, that time when the kingdom of Israel was broken in two. All in all, the Samaritans were a minority and treated poorly by the Jewish majority. As a result, there was animosity, hostility, and resentment between the two groups, as each group tried to live in the way they thought was right. As a result, they did not like each other, they did not trust each other, and there was no secret about that reality. With hundreds of years, if not more, of this open hostility and distrust between the Jews and the Samaritans, Jesus arrives on the scene. Jesus is out spreading the message of grace, mercy, forgiveness, of being willing to give up what you hold precious in order to do what is right for all. And he and his disciples walk through a Samaritan village on their way to Jerusalem. They were in that context, as we might say, walking through the wrong side of town. Before they did, however, Jesus had sent messengers ahead to the town to get things ready for him to be there. What did that mean? Did Jesus plan to stay there for some time, a plan to stop for a meal, a plan to stop and spread his gospel message, 
most likely based on what we see throughout the gospel. But of all of those and any of those, or maybe something else, we really don't know exactly what preparations they were sent to go and take care of. What we do know is that whatever it was that Jesus sent the messengers to prepare, it did not happen. Luke tells us the Samaritans did not receive Jesus. The Samaritans watched Jesus and the disciples pass through town and made sure that they kept on moving. We know what this looks like. Certain areas that make sure that those who do not look like they fit in make it obvious that those who do not fit in, that they need to continue on and go somewhere else. The disciples are upset by this, and two of them, James and John, those called the sons of thunders, ask Jesus, Lord, do you want us to call fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Remember, the majority of the disciples were commercial fishermen prior to being called by Jesus to be his disciples. They were not meek and mild, milk-toast personalities. They were rough-and-tumble, hard-working, hard-living men. Understand what they are asking. James and John basically say, Jesus, these people are not showing you the respect you deserve. Do you want for us to kill them for you? Think about that attitude. James and John and all the rest have been following Jesus now for some time. They've been listening to the gospel message straight from Jesus' lips every day. They have at least physically given up everything so that they can single focus, follow Jesus, and do as he says. And still there's animosity, distrust, and open hostility towards the Samaritans. We can see similar attitudes in the world today about a lot of issues and differences. And that has been made especially clear this past week. We have had a Supreme Court decision that overturned the extremely controversial Roe v. Wade decision. It does not, as some people say, end abortion, but it does leave such decisions to the individual states. Some states will end abortion, others will not. And the two sides are hissing and spitting at each other all over the country, especially on social media. The anger is so severe that both sides have people, a large number of them claiming to be Christians, who are advocating for violence against the other. While protesters of the ruling are, at this point, primarily committing scattered acts of vandalism, there have been calls for escalated violence by some, and a call for what protesters are calling a summer of rage. At the same time, many on the opposite side are calling for a strict law and order, arrest them, lock them up, make them pay for their crimes, response. For each of their, from each of their perspectives, they are saying they are not like us, they do not like us, they are in the wrong. Shall we call down fire and consume them? This is, of course, a large and pressing current example all over the news, but there are other, smaller, but no less divisive issues that we deal with every day. 
Christians that do not like each other for a variety of reasons. Traditionalists versus moderns, one denomination against another, whether because of theology or politics, and more frequently the politics of the denomination than it is the theology and other sources of strife. Sometimes the dislike is hidden, and sometimes it is open and blatant. Christians who look at each other and think to themselves, or sometimes openly say, those over there are not like me. They do not live up to my standard. They really should not exist. Why does God tolerate those other types of Christians, if they even are Christian? Shall we call down fire and consume them? Now, as Christians, if we cannot express love for one another, how can we express love for the world around us? Make no mistake, the world sees our dislike and distrust for each other. Why would a person want to join into a faith that is supposed to extend mercy and grace when they can see and hear those claiming the faith asking the question, shall we call down fire to consume them? And all of us, and we all do it at one time or another, all of us who take such an attitude deserve rebuke just like the disciples got. Luke tells us that James and John asked, Lord, do you want for us to call down fire from heaven and consume them? But then Jesus replied by turning and rebuking them. The translation of the Bible from which we typically read only says that Jesus rebuked them. Some of the other older translations, however, relying on different early manuscripts, include what Jesus said when he rebuked them. Jesus rebuked them by saying, You know not of what spirit you are. The Son of Man came not to destroy souls, but to save. The Son of Man is how Jesus referred to himself. Jesus is saying, I came to save, not to destroy. We are Christians, and as Christians we must remember that. We are not here to dislike, distrust, and especially not destroy anyone. Let us all spend more time counting our own sins and failings so we will not have time to count those committed by others. And, as we do, let us praise God that He in His love, it was Christ, the Son of God, God Himself, who came down from heaven to save and not destroy. Then show the world what a real Christian is by obeying what Jesus commanded. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Amen.